To another episode of the Bowfinger Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz directed comedy Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. Once again, I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of the Apollo 13 Minute and the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute and uh, various and sundry other minute. Uh guest appearances let's say we just keep doing these things over and over and over we'll, <laughs> we we'll get do. it right some night <laughs> minute by minute yes and you know one day as we have said people will do a minute by minute commentary of our our podcast yes it's a stretch goal yes a stretch goal is that you know hundreds of years from now <laughs> so digging these up on uh, digital uh, stone tablets and right uh, wow no but, one uh, knows who they were or yeah. what they were doing but their legacy remains <laughs> embedded forever somewhere yes. in this in the cosmos uh well we're, we're in a minute 58 which starts with uh bobby bowfinger walking out with a stack of 35 millimeter undeveloped film and ends with uh bowfinger talking to jiff about heat and intensity and hot and all that kind of stuff and a lot of a lot of things happening in the middle but uh anyway so it's a pretty good minute. i i do enjoy i used to Back when the earth was cooling, I used to work at a uh, university co-op that specialized in radio, television, and film equipment. Oh, wow. And um, I'm seeing, um, my world was 16 millimeter. No, no student could afford 35 millimeter, but seeing those sure. those stacks of uh, Kodak number two film going out the door, I, I can definitely identify with these ancient art artifacts. Oh, that's something. Um, yeah, my... Uh my minor uh, film and TV production days at, at college were um, almost all super eight, as I remember, yeah. but uh, when we did actual film, but then my dad used to do a bunch of stuff in 16 millimeter oh. and had a 16 millimeter editor at home that I used to play with as a kid and find his oh. old reels and sort of crank them back and forth, which was pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, I had a 16 millimeter. It wasn't a movieola, but I had a 16 millimeter. Basically, just two, you know, a little screen and a and, and two cranks. Yeah, and I would I would do some editing in my apartment, and then I sold it. To, I, you know, I bought it from one graduating student, and I sold it to somebody else when I was leaving. <clears throat> but uh, it saved me a lot of time going uh, down to down to campus and using the very limited uh, editing supplies. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It was really it was really interesting. This, uh, you know, I was right at that stage where you know, I was doing film editing with literal scissors, you know, and 
and you know trimming things and things like that but then we'd shift gears and do stuff I'm, I'm trying to even remember what format the the tape would have been it was bigger than vhs oh umatic uh, probably or uh yeah yeah that sounds right well yeah. so we'd actually do editing there and then i remember we'd have quizzes about what are excuse me what are some of the differences between the two and things like that and i got i got dinged on one because I pointed out that I thought that actual film editing initially seemed easier just because it was more literal and more straightforward. It's like, these are the, you know, these are the 62 frames that I no longer want in this segment. So I'm just going to get out the scissors and literally <laughs> snip them off and then re-splice it. And, you know, I think there was something to that. I think learning to edit, it kind of helped doing it that way with something very analog and very tangible before you got into something that wasn't exactly digital but it was it was more digital yeah and you were very i mean i i was a poor college kid and i was very parsimonious with my shooting style you know i know nowadays you don't think you know you have a you have a chip that you put in a camera and right. you can shoot you know 25 hours of <laughs> whatever you're whatever you're filming and do 80 takes and figure out which ones you want but back then it was gosh i had 400 feet of film and you know, by God, this was going to cost me $35 just to run it down through the film lab. I'd have to wait three right. days and then get it back and look at all this film I wasted. <laughs> so I was remember doing this one project that involves some uh, really, really bad stop motion stuff with uh, some just photographs I'd taken of my roommate, his then girlfriend. I remember her name was Rose. I don't know why I remember that. And then his uh, his car, which was this fantastic early 70s, uh, 2000 foot long blue station wagon. And for some reason, I'd taken still photos and then I'd cut them out. And then I, so I had enough of the two people to sort of do crude animations, you know, profile walking and then turn to face the camera, that kind of stuff. I don't know why I decided to do this. But then I remember I, I got the film for the first draft, got the film processed, came back and I shot everything upside down on the oh. table. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh it just i mean it just felt like such a colossal waste of time whereas if i'd completed this project uh as shot it would have only been an extraordinary waste of time <laughs> but anyway i uh i did a film project where i wanted to use uh, you know kind of a 1930s kind of wipe and the, there was a in in town there was an optical house and i had and it had different optical effects you could order and what and the wipe was um twelve dollars which to me was, oh that, was that was like you know half my paycheck right there. Know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's your whole budget $12, right there dollars that's groceries for a week um so Man. but i decided it really this whole thing needed that and um so i went in and i ordered the wipe and it was a three second wipe a very slow wipe as there as something was going to the next scene and when I brought the the film project in, my professor said, "Wow, that uh, that transition you did was beautiful. Did you do that in camera?" And it's like, <laughs> no, I paid somebody twelve whole dollars. Twelve dollars to do it. That's so amazing. I, I, it's he, he thought I was a magician with the camera. It's like, no, I, there's an optical house. People do this for you if you can, you know, save up enough money to have somebody do it. But it, you know, and nowadays. I, I, I really do feel like a caveman with a flashlight whenever I sit down in front of After Effects and things. And you just click and drag stuff, and all of a sudden you can make 
you know, whatever character you have on the screen, you can make 50 clones of them and put them out to the horizon. And it takes you maybe, right. you know, 30 seconds. Um, and they even have, you know, macros and stuff. It's like a repeat, repeat, repeat. And things that George Lucas would have killed for back in, you know, 1975 or so. And Oh, and no just, kidding. Yeah, speaking of, of wipes, I mean, he's the one who, yeah. you know, sort of all but single-handedly brought them back to to the, the big screen. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, every time I see, I thought, wow, that must be more than $12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, A New Hope, I think the total budget was somewhere around $10 million. Yeah, at least. And, and uh, you know, of course, in the 70s, that was... It was a lot more than it is now. It still seems like a, it was still a shoestring compared to the follow-ons. But, you know, it's amazing. You think that one thing, you know, cost you $12 and a specialty company and you take it in and drop it off and hope it comes out right. So if this is after you've paid to have the film itself processed. And yeah, it's, it's fascinates me that that, you know, we should look at that and say, wow, that would cost you $500 today. It's like, no, I can, I can do a thousand of them as fast as I can click my mouse without breaking a sweat and by the way i didn't pay anything to get the film developed and oh by the way the resolution's better and the color's better and the lighting's better okay, maybe not resolution's better but you know what i mean yeah no but you can put and, i mean you can put it online and a million people can watch it tomorrow or you know in an hour right um but it's yeah it's it's it's, it's interesting it's fascinating seeing especially in this particular minute how much the technology has changed and how much it's changed everything like the the scene after this, when we're when we leave the uh, the film uh, store and they're setting up they're setting up a, a shot inside of Bowfinger International Pictures, right? And just all the little things they're setting up little Fresnel baby spots and stuff like that. All those incredibly hot halogen lights that cost a fortune. If one of them burns out, you've got to buy a new bulb, and the bulb is like forty dollars or something. Right. You know, and don't touch the bulb under yeah. any circumstances. Yeah. You'll, you'll set fire to the wall. Yeah. Don't get <laughs> yeah. you don't get your sweat or your oil on any part of it because it'll right. it'll pop like a popcorn piece. And nowadays, you know, you can go on, you can go to Amazon and things like that and order a bunch of LED lights that will last thirty thousand years, right. and they run off the you know, the iPhone charger that you have, it runs on like five volts and exactly. will light up the whole room for you. Um, Not to mention the fact that your cameras don't need anywhere near that much light. Yeah, yeah, you, you can know, set like they, ISO 16,000 or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, light what, a candle. And in, in looking at this scene, you know, I hadn't thought of it until you mentioned it. So, you know, we're we're watching the movie being made within the movie. And so what I'm wondering about is you know, we see the camera and we see a lot of the, the lights and, and the setup, all the things you just mentioned, but what about the lights we don't see? What about the lights that had to be there to light the scene of everybody lighting, you know, lighting the pretend scene? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I, I, and, and trying to figure out where the lights, I mean, usually light and frame is kind of a noir thing, but so you have, you have all these source lights that are, that are part of the scene, but then you've got to light the light to see it. Right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have to see the base and everything. And it's um, what's interesting to me is like, you know, I mean, this is kind of a softer, warmer scene in terms of in terms of lighting until you're looking at the actual, you know, set lights and things. But it's still it's, you know, bright enough, as you see, you've got to light the lights so you could see the the bases and the fixtures and everything. So, you know, it had to be lit pretty strongly. But interesting to me that none of the shadows are especially harsh yeah yeah and and when you think about i mean the one scene they uh they kind of pan across the entire the entirety of the scene and steve martin is walking from the distance close in and then back to another 
you know, he has to hit another mark where, you know, oh, 20, yeah. they, they talk about marks in this scene, right? But it's just trying try to imagine how to light this so that he's, you know, he, he's the focus of attention wherever he goes. Um, it's incredibly difficult. And, you know, they're wearing different color shirts. Um, it, it, they have to coordinate that with the costume people. So it's, it, it's mind boggling. It really is. And it, you mentioned <laughs> marks. It's really interesting to see, um, you know, so we're, we're getting some discussion about that in this, in this scene and laying out how that works. And that's, that's something that I think a lot of people just don't think about. It's like you, you're on stage, you're going to walk from your onset rather walking from here to there. And, and you're saying this and, and this is where you start and this is where you stop and you just behave like a person would do. And, you know, I certainly remember, you know, I did uh, all of my acting or 99% of my acting was all on stage in high school and college. And we would do, you know, hours and hours of just blocking rehearsal. You know, yep. not even worrying about lines yet. It's just, I'm going to step from here over to there. And sometimes we'd use physical marks or otherwise you'd start to remember this particular <laughs> splinter or divot in the stage. And, you know, I got to get from here to there and then uh, mastering the timing of it all. So you've got this whole sort of rhythm to to a scene, even a simple scene like this, where as you said, the, the major movement is Steve Martin walking in and walking across the room, but everybody's sort of rotating around him and turning to pay attention to him. And everybody's got to, got to hit that while looking like they're not trying to hit a specific spot. And then of course, remember the lines and everything else. Yeah. And, and this is, this is a continuous take. I've just, I've, I've rewatched it uh, just now and it's amazing how they have to walk in and out. Like you said, hit the, hit their marks. We're watching the scene starts with, uh, with uh, Bowfinger coming in out of his office far away and moving in close, getting into the lit area where they're going to film the uh, hot scene. Uh, the uh, fireplace, they light up, as we've seen in a previous scene, the fireplace rather is rather explosive when it turns on. Right. And then uh, we follow Afram going to the door to greet Daisy, where <clears throat> is where he finds out that Daisy is no longer his, uh, his one true love. <laughs> or right. or he's, not, he's not Daisy's one true love. And there's so much there's so much going on with who's lit up you know we have to see afrin's disappointment uh we have to and then we follow daisy and uh bobby bowfinger going back to the main place where she's going to be shooting her scene um but all that's continuous and they had to figure it all out in advance where the lights have to be and what you know what's going right. on um well and the way afrin is is blocked in this it's so it's so great because you know he and, and you know steve martin are are almost gently racing to get to to uh, daisy to heather graham and uh you know martin steps in there and he he flows in it's very fluid it's very smooth and he goes in for the kiss and it's it's very you know they're both in portrait both sort of sideways if afram wasn't there this would be a very classic sort of hollywood kiss scene then afram's there with his back turned and then when he just rotates back and almost looks right into the camera which is that poor sad look on his face that's just it's it's perfect i mean you could oh, watch yeah. this with the the sound completely off and understand exactly what's going on there yeah he and he's he's taking up almost like you know a third to a half of the screen so it's like <laughs> right. your, your eye is drawn to him because he's just there's so much real estate devoted to afram and you just feel his disappointment as the uh, the tide has turned um but uh, just, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful scene that, and I think the important thing is that it really, 
you know, a sign of good cinematography and good uh, direction is that you don't notice it, that you didn't, it doesn't seem forced. It seems like you're just following, you're, you're a fly on the wall following all this action going on. Right. And, you know, you, you believe that the people you're watching make a movie or making a movie, but, you know, you forget that everybody's making a movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. But there's an actual movie that was made and you're watching that instead. You just feel like you're looking in and it's, I think you could you could deceive yourself into thinking that well this would be easy to shoot because you know we don't have to worry about hiding the cameras and hiding the lights we're just going to pretend we're shooting the scene and we're going to turn the cameras on and it's if if anything I think the movie within a movie here as as I think about it and overanalyze it I think it makes it far far more complex than just a typical scene oh for sure yeah and you know it, it's funny the 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 spe the specificity of what uh you know what's going on where they're basically you know they're borrowing i mean they borrowed daisy's credit card to buy all the film but the uh <laughs> right. the, the cameras that dave has stolen those are uh Araflex 35s which are at the time I mean, they were okay cameras for the, like shooting like in the 1950s and 1960s but at the time when this was being shot in the 1990s um movie cam and panavision were the you know, the major camera makers or camera, you know, things that people were renting or buying at, at the studio level. So uh, movie cam is owned by, or at the time was owned by Araflex. So it's funny that they were using a movie cam camera to, to shoot the feature film, but in the movie, within the movie, they're using like the lowest level <laughs> Araflex camera. That's a little bit outdated, but it's still, you know, it's, 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 gathering dust on a shelf at universal somewhere so right. it's just interesting. he dave picked this because nobody would miss it because everybody's using movie cam cameras over at uh over at universal so <laughs> it it's yeah it's just very uh <laughs> it's very funny seeing but it's still you know it's within it's almost like product placement by uh by the movie cam people to have a a lower level camera show even right. even people swiping uh, camera equipment can uh, can do stuff exactly as if you're a sort of a low rent two-bit movie maker who steals his equipment why not try aeroflex uh and it's it's just even down to the having the giant masking tape around the outside of the the film magazine because I, I remember doing that on i had one of the films i shot was with a a camera called an eclair camera and uh the the lid where you put the you put the reel inside of that magazine uh you you load it and then when you when you drop it on top of the camera it's kind of like a kind of like a set almost that it, it plugs in and then it takes the it can it can you can reel it in but the door on the Claire cameras was always falling over so you had to have with you a giant roll of masking tape to oh, make geez. sure that it wouldn't come loose and i i guess this was the same with the air just having, having that big wrapped up tape thing um but yeah, you can you can feel the the anguish of these, and you know it's funny these guys that they picked up at the border in in the back of the van are now uh, technical experts on, on you know, <laughs> handling cameras and setting up lighting and sound. Um, but it's just it's just a beautiful scene. A very like I think people who make movies would get a lot of the jokes that are are buried in this, right? Um, or and, dorks like us who just yeah, exactly. uh, study and talk about them far too much for we, our own good. Yeah, the people that stare at, you know, read all the, the trivia stuff at the back of IMDb. Exactly. <laughs> here, here. I, I do love, this is a great, uh, a great scene with Jif. I mean, we've been watching 
Eddie Murphy playing uh, Kit Ramsey for so long in this, and he's you know he's finally getting to, to spread his GIF wings, and he's so good at being completely you know open like a complete innocent as to well what do you want me to do and um and Bowfinger is you know stressing with him that this has to be hot and has to have heat and has to be, you know, all this <laughs> right. stuff. so um just just pushing away and he's he always has that vague look of well I'll try but he just he always seems rather skeptical of you really think I'm the one to do this exactly um, and and that's another thing is you know I kind of sit here and scrub back and forth through the the scene with with the sound off and and you get so much of that just with his his facial expression the braces he just has that you know that sort of resting I, I think skepticism I think as you put it is probably the best way to put it skepticism about himself like just not really certain about any of this and it's yeah. just so perfectly conveyed and yeah he he looks at you like like a cat that you're trying new cat food on and the cat, <laughs> it's like you expect me to eat this i'm not exactly you know that kind of that that's the that's the feeling i get when when i'm seeing that scene um but it's just it, it's it's so beautiful being able to see eddie murphy play these two roles completely apart from each other i mean it's just um He's, uh, you know, it, it, it's like he, it, and da like even Daisy knows to feed him, you know, uh, is telling him it's all about heat and, and Daisy's mouthing the word chemistry, chemistry. And so Bowfinger is, uh, saying chemistry and, and Jif who, you know, it, he, he has a blockbuster video rental card and he goes to the movies all the time he's like oh so it's like artistic or something <laughs> right exactly. like, oh, okay so you know but it's just it's very nice it feels very amateur as a, from him versus the the character that he's playing when he's kit ramsey it's just just mm -hmm. such a beautiful you actually believe there's two people in this movie yeah you really do and it you know we talked to, in earlier episodes about about daisy's character and you know this great scene with her and bowfinger um you know basically quite willingly and you know eyes wide open sort of manipulating each other and you know in you should be looking back at this and and bowfinger steve martin should be the 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 lech who's you know sort of preying on the the young starlet and things like that but as we discussed you know she's and and stealing her credit cards things like that but she's you know very much running her own her own game and she has a, a lot of power and then the whole thing with you know Bowfinger's asking her do you want to take a minute or you know do you need to relax are you ready to shoot and she's shoot let's you know let's just go forward and do this and um it's it's interesting to see that see that byplay because you would have expected going into this from from the introduction of her character okay she's the she's the innocent young starlet and she's the victim of this whole process yeah and as it happens she she in, in in many different ways she gives as good as she gets yeah there's there's a i don't know if we've passed the line or i think it's I think it may be in the future but there's a line that she has she says i'm from ohio but i'm not from from ohio <laughs> yeah, exactly so it's uh yeah she does have oh, that, that turn up that turnip truck uh realization kind of a thing um wow well this has been a really good minute but we've got to we've got to move on with the week and we've got lots more to talk about tomorrow yes. so uh, yeah we've got a fun one tomorrow Jim. yeah yeah tomorrow's gonna be yeah it's very <laughs> everybody intriguing. better tune in and listen to, yeah, to the two of us yeah, trying to make sense of this move all your thursday stuff off to the side so you can finish listening to us tomorrow <laughs> exactly uh wow well listen if you know if you enjoy this uh if you enjoy our show and wherever you found this 
this uh, particular podcast. You can probably find it there uh, also. But uh, we can uh, typically we po- we post and publish on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, Google Play, or you can find us at the main site bowfingerminute.com. Uh, if you have time, please go out to Apple Podcasts. That's where it seems to be most most of our stuff. Like and subscribe, and if you could review our show, that sometimes people don't get around to doing that but if you can review the show more people can find our show there so um also if you want to talk back to us great place to talk back with us is on facebook uh social media we're available on welcome to Minehead, the bowfinger minute listener center on facebook or on twitter at easy enough to remember bowfinger minute uh so anyway we will be back here uh tomorrow with a <laughs> very special episode yes so, a very special episode i think i think we're both gonna need an adult yeah de- definitely this is uh yeah you after school special time so check check back with us but listen in the meantime please keep it together keep it together keep it together keep it together children I hope that we'll see you again cause there's always One more show Cause there's always One more show One more show